Welcome back to Knocked Up, the podcast with Dr. Radia Lou from Women's Health Melbourne. Welcome, Radia. Thank you. We're going back to a topic we've, we've touched on before about lifestyle factors and getting pregnant, um, really talking into a bit more depth about, about why. Um, now, just the first one that comes to mind is, is weight. We'll touch on it here, but we have got an, another episode focused solely on the impact of your weight and fertility. Um, but what are the lifestyle factors that can be impacting? So there's lots of lifestyle factors that impact fertility. And, you know, some of them we know a lot about, but others we kind of postulate a bit about, mm-hmm. so we think about. But I think, you know, one, one reflection that I think is a worthwhile reflection is thinking about how the lives of our grandparents were different to our lives. Um, and there's lots of lots of ways that our life is is easier and better, but there's also ways that that maybe you know kind of our life and our lifestyle might impact on things like our general health and our fertility. So an example is you know driving versus walking, and things like how we get our fruit and veg and how we get our groceries, what we eat, um, the kind of things we consume. Uh, the kind of products in our environment. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of different things. So, um, you know, the main things that, that I think are, are, you know, have fairly good evidence um, for impact on fertility, so having a normal body mass index, normal BMI and normal weight, um, stress, mm-hmm. um, which can have some impact, and that can be physical stress and psychological stress, yes. exercise, the amount of exercise we do, the amount of physical physical work we do. Um, alcohol, yeah. which in um, our society is culturally something that we enjoy sometimes a little too often and too much. Mm-hmm. And along with that, that would be recreational drugs as well. Yeah, recreational drugs. Smoking, yeah. which I suppose is a recreational drug <laughs> of sorts. Um, and caffeine, which is every Melburnian's yes. drug of choice most days. <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, so shall we go through those one by one? I mean, weight weight is really important and it's a super important issue. So we've actually done another episode purely on weight. So we're not going to focus on weight in this episode. In this episode but, but, yeah, stress and how do we deal with stress? So Yeah, well, sometimes. And, um, look, there's been some research into, into stress. So maybe, maybe some of these other factors are how we deal with stress. So, you know, kind of we might deal with stress by... Having coffee or having cigarettes or having wine. <laughs> yes, you have a tough day, you have too much coffee, you yeah. smoke too many cigarettes and then you have too much wine afterwards. Yeah, exactly. Well, some people exercise too intensely to deal with stress as well. So I've had patients who come to me and they're not ovulating yeah. and then they, I probe a little bit further and they tell me they go to the gym five times a week and they do like an hour every day. They skip meals because they're so stressed out they can't think about eating. Yeah. yeah. So look, there's maybe, maybe having a look at how we deal with stress and um, giving ourselves strategies that are fertility-friendly, like friendship and conversation. Look, I guess that is another issue with fertility, that we don't talk about it, that it's taboo to some degree. And so maybe while if we had another issue, like um, our boss was giving us a hard time or, um, you know, kind of we had some discrimination in the workplace or bullying or something like that, you'd have no hesitation of calling up a friend and having a coffee <laughs> and having a talk about it to help you have some a sharing is is you know a burden burden um exactly a burden shared they say is a burden halved and 
you know, also just um, having some input, having more, you know, kind of putting heads together to think of solutions, whereas with fertility, you know, maybe sharing the experience with a friend or sharing with, you know, thinking about, you know, I would say find your tribe, thinking about your, your network um, might actually be something that does reduce stress or help us cope with stress. Sometimes it, it also probably, well, fertility can put stress on the relationship itself. Yeah. And talking to someone outside of that relationship, outside of that relationship helps relieve stress on both parts, your own and your partner's. Yeah, or talking to someone professional. Like, it might be worth having some counselling. A lot of IVF units, most IVF units these days, have professional counsellors as part of the multidisciplinary team and accessing that yeah. um, is a good thing. But then in terms of you might not be having IVF, so you might not have that, that access. So maybe in the community referral to a psychologist might be, or a counsellor might be helpful. If you, if you find there's no one else you can talk to. Um, in terms of, um, you know, psychological stress on IVF outcomes, there, there actually hasn't been research to show that if someone's psychologically stressed out that outcomes in the lab are affected. Um, which is, I suppose, a, a reassuring thing because lots of people are stressed out if they're going through IVF. Um, but, you know, I always say IVF is not a silver bullet. It's not a technology that... Well, it's a fantastic technology, but it's not a technology that definitely works the first time. No. So sometimes, you know, women and men who are successful with IVF have been successful after several attempts and it's a process. And in terms of stress, that might affect how uh, a woman or a couple copes with the process of IVF and it also might affect how they are able to stay in treatment, you know, what they can take, what they can tolerate. And sometimes, you know, staying in treatment, staying in the game with IVF may be an important aspect of eventually achieving success. So, you know, dealing with stress may be a really under-recognised factor in terms of achieving pregnancies through IVF, you know, ensuring that patients maintain their focus and maintain their stamina to stay in treatment long enough to have a baby because in Australia the average number of IVF completed cycles or stimulated IVF cycles and transfer of all the resulting embryos to have a live birth is actually between two and three. Obviously you can't have 2.6 cycles but you know that, what's that saying is most people who have an IVF baby actually don't get there the first time. It can take a few goes. Some people are lucky but not everyone is. And um yeah, well, well, that's true. I mean, obviously, couples who come to IVF have some serious underlying pathology that's stopping them from getting pregnant. Like, there's a serious issues there. And in terms of dealing with it, for most patients, IVF will get them there. Not for everyone, but for most. And, you know, kind of being able to stay focused and stay in treatment um, is one of the factors of whether success is achieved or not, ultimately. And so dealing with a patient's stress is sometimes the ultimate you know, thing that might get them there. Yeah. So getting support, building a network, um, I would say find your tribe, find, find your support network and, um, and, and, you know, kind of help you, help you get there. Yeah. And it just, there's no blame. I think women especially blame themselves about not getting pregnant and that would cause more stress too. Yeah, absolutely. So just understanding and, um, you know, kind of expressing yourself, not bottling it up because that can also be stressful. Um, yeah, so stress I think is is really important to help you know patients deal with. And in terms of lifestyle, you know things that you can do that you know it, identify things that you do that you enjoy. And 
Don't stop them all just yeah. because you're going through fertility treatment. Yeah. yeah, definitely. So exercise, exercising too much isn't good. Yeah, it's not good. <laughs> you can over... <laughs> So basically, you know, exercise is certainly something that moderation is key. Yeah. So, you know, we don't want to be couch potatoes. Absolutely. We want to do physical exercises, good for you, build muscle, build fitness. You know, you release those natural endorphins, which are happy hormones when you exercise. And whilst weight is important, this is not just about weight. It's not just about weight, it's about health. Yeah. You know, cardiac fitness. Carrying a pregnancy is a difficult physiological task. Yeah. yeah. In the first trimester, you are just ragged. You just come home and fall asleep on the couch. Um, Look, you're making an extra litre of blood. You're growing a baby. Your heart is hypertrophying and growing. Your lung capacity is changing. Your breast tissue is developing. Your metabolism is changing. There's just so many events happening in a pregnancy and you require a basal level of fitness. So exercise preconception is a really good idea, but... I would say that 30 minutes a day of moderate exercise is ideal. So moderate exercise, is this, is this that you can maintain a conversation without being totally out of breath, but, you, your breath is, but you're getting there? Look, I think if you want to do some cardio and you get puffed, but you're only doing 30 minutes, yeah. that's fine. Yeah. But if you're doing extreme exercise five days a week or more, you know, I've had patients who tell me they're not ovulating and then they go to the gym five days a week and they do an hour session each time and then plus... And then they swim and play tennis and run and as well. And, and walk Yeah, and all of this together can be too much for some people. Basically, hardly any elite athletes get their period. You know, extreme exercise... What, what it's telling your body is that you're under stress, physical stress. And your body interprets that, you know, the way that evolution has made it. So, you know, it doesn't know that you're going to the gym five days a week. Your, your body thinks that you are under extreme physical exhaustion. And that means that it's a, a time of, of poverty and famine and, you know, and, and that having a baby might compromise your survival. Um, because remember that in the natural world, having babies is probably the most dangerous thing a woman can do in her life. Um, and um, if your body is not in an ideal state to do that, your hormones just switch off. Yeah, so look, you know, kind of exercising extremely is not helpful. And, um, you know, you've got to kind of think about why you're doing it. So, you know, I guess there are lots of reasons that people exercise. They exercise to feel good. Um, and some people actually probably are self, self-treating some underlying issues that maybe should be dealt with, like anxiety, depression, and you know, releasing those happy hormones through exercise is part of how they deal with that, which is a healthy way to deal with it, but not if you're trying to get pregnant. Um, so kind of seeking maybe alternate ways of dealing with those kind of issues might be helpful. Um, sometimes, you know, people feel that exercise is to look a certain way or to achieve a certain ideal, but... You know, realistically, if you're going to have a baby, you're not going to have a six-pack while you're pregnant. So, no. you know, kind of... Um, <laughs> so, um, you know, those ideals are probably not as relevant when you're trying to get pregnant. Um, they're new ideals. Yes. Yeah, always new ideals. Um, but, yeah, so, look, I guess looking into why you're doing it, maybe recognising it as a factor and, and just reducing your exercise. You don't have to cut it out completely, but just... Um, no, it's important to maintain it, but at a reasonable... At a, at a healthy level that your body doesn't feel is stressing it out. Yeah. And then my favourite alcohol. Alcohol, yeah. So... Um, so what does, what does alcohol do? 
Um, look, alcohol, it does lots of things. Um, it's very high in calories in terms of energy. So, you know, people often wouldn't sit down and have three slices of cake, but they quite happily have three glasses of wine and it's probably quite similar calorifically. 160 calories in a glass of wine, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How do you know that? <laughs> <laughs> so look, it's um, so it's highly calorific. It's it's a, it's kind of like just carbs. Um, in terms of you know, it, it's it it affects your brain. You know, it's a drug. So alcohol, it's enjoyable. It can be relaxing. It can be social. Maybe our culture's a bit uptight, and it helps people unwind and relax a little bit around each other. Yeah, well, we all um, take on a load. The mental load is big. Yeah, especially for women. Yeah. But studies show in general that you shouldn't drink alcohol if you're trying to get pregnant. No. Um, it can be hard. And, you know, I, I tend to say, you know, if my patients are trying, especially for a long time, having a glass of wine here and there probably is okay. Yes. But if you have greater than four drinks per week, it significantly reduces your chance of achieving a live birth compared to people who don't drink at all. And some of the issues are for the men. Yes. So, yeah, so while women quite... You know, they they're quite they've taken on the message that you shouldn't drink when you're trying to get pregnant, and a lot of women don't drink at all when they are pregnant, which is good. But um, men often, when they're trying to get pregnant, maybe they don't cut down their alcohol. No. And um, certainly, we know that there are issues causing abnormal sperm and a reduced sperm count if men drink alcohol on a weekly basis, which is interesting. Mm. Um, so, it also sometimes can be you know, tying back to weight because a lot of the time things don't happen in isolation. So, um, you know, kind of... But certainly studies have shown that if men drink more than four glasses of, of a standard drink per week, that sperm counts aren't as good. Um, an easy thing to fix. An easy thing to fix, kind of. <laughs> and if it's not an easy thing to fi- fix, it comes back to your support network and what help do you need and what else is helping you with stress. Yeah, Absolutely. Smoking. Well, look, smoking is an easy one to talk about because it's just uniformly bad. It's bad. We it's all just, know it's bad. It's just very bad. <laughs> and there's lots of, lots of effects on natural fertility, lots of effects on IVF fertility. Um, and, in fact, I did a video for Your Fertility, which is a, a public health awareness website, um, talking about smoking. We'll link, we'll link to that in the yeah, so you can watch my video um, telling you how bad smoking is for fertility. But basically, you know, there's been lots of studies. Um, we've mentioned in a previous episode that women who smoke go through menopause a little bit earlier. So there's definitely a toxic effect on the eggs and the ovary from smoking. There was a big study in the Netherlands which showed that women who smoked one cigarette per day, which in, in Europe lots of people smoke, many, many more than here. Yeah. Um, the women who had one cigarette per day had a reduced chance of IVF live birth per year by 28% compared to women who didn't smoke. So when you say chance of IVF... So they're in IVF treatment. Yes. So they've just looked at a cohort of women in IVF treatment. They're all having IVF. Yeah. And they just compared those who smoked at one cigarette or more per day yeah. to those who didn't. Yes. And the group who didn't smoke had a 28% higher chance of having a live birth. So yeah, per birth year. A baby. a baby, per yeah. year. Um, so what that means is it's, quite, it's a serious a difference. It's huge. Um, and it's the same difference, you know, that you see between someone who's 20 and someone who's 30, if you look at age. Yes. Their chance of having a live baby okay. per year. 
So that's a serious thing. And it's a lifestyle. So you so can totally change that. you've aged yourself a decade by smoking. Yeah, you've aged yourself a decade by smoking Crazy. one cigarette or more a day. Crazy. So in terms of fertility. Yes. So how does it do it? Well, And probably other things, but we're just talking about fertility. We're just talking about fertility. But things like, you know, your general health, your cardiac fitness, your, you know, kind of chance of getting a cancer, that also goes up with smoking. So there's lots of good reasons that are completely separate from fertility not to smoke. But, yeah, look, it's, it's basically poison. It's just toxic. Um, there are lots of toxins in cigarettes. There's, you know, heaps more than just nicotine. Lots of chemicals. And, um, yeah, look, it's, um, it's something that's bad for sperm, it's bad for eggs, and it's bad for pregnancies. So if you are pregnant and you do smoke in a pregnancy, your baby's more likely to be small. Yeah, the placenta's less likely to work normally. And then when your baby's born... Baby's more likely to have things like asthma and more likely to have cot death and, um, you know, more likely to have allergies. There's lots of bad things about smoking. So it's not just about getting pregnant, it's also about once the baby's born. Yeah, it's a good... Look, but having said that, the flip side is pregnancy is a big motivator. Absolutely. So lots of studies have showed that people are more likely to successfully quit smoking to have a baby and become a parent compared to any other motivating factor. Yeah. But basically, studies have also shown in terms of a negative effect of smoking in unexplained infertility. So in, in patients who've been to a doctor, everything's been looked at. The sperm's been looked at, you know, kind of egg count's been looked at, you know, tubal function's been looked at, anatomical issues have been looked at, and there's really no hormonal issue. There's, there's nothing on paper as to why this couple aren't getting pregnant. In that group of people, smoking has the biggest effect, the biggest negative effect. So maybe in some unexplained cases of infertility, smoking is the actual reason that couples are not getting pregnant. Interesting. Yeah. And easy to change. Easy to change. Coffee. We're in Melbourne. We've had some coffee already this morning before before podcasting. Two coffees. (laughs) We have. <laughs> Look, so it would be kind of, you know... It was wine, but today it was two coffees. Today it was two coffees. Um, coffee lovers will be reassured that one coffee a day is definitely okay. Um, but there have been studies that have shown an adverse effect of caffeine on, on fertility. There was a Danish study in 2012 that looked at just under 4,000 women trying to get pregnant through IVF and found that having babies' live birth rate was reduced by 40% in women who had more than five coffees a day. Okay, so that's quite a lot, though. And, but it wasn't seen in women who had one or two. So what we're saying is one or two coffees is fine. It's extreme caffeine. Extreme caffeine is but no good. But keep in mind that chocolate has caffeine. Yeah. But look, the other thing is, you know, who has five coffees a day? Maybe there are other lifestyle factors also that might have been confounding. We, we never know who's having five coffees a day. But because it's kind of not normal to have five coffees a day no. for most people, no judgment. Um, but yeah, so look, one or two coffees is probably fine. I think if you're worried, stick to one a day, yeah. have your coffee in the morning, and then that's it while you're pregnant, and trying to conceive. But if you have one a day, it's probably all right. Yeah. Not not the two that we had potentially, but one one a day. We're not we're not trying to trying to conceive right now. So. <laughs> Thank you, Raya. And so for more information. It's definitely on the website and we've got the video clip. Yeah, the link to the Your Fertility clip. Um, And, um, yeah, so anybody who has been listening and they maybe want to get their partner on board, maybe who um, still smokes, you know, show them the video and, um, 
Yeah, shameless plug for me telling everyone to quit smoking. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Knocked Up, the podcast about getting pregnant. For more information about Raylia, Women's Health Melbourne and how to get pregnant, please visit womenshealthmelbourne.com.au or find us on the socials under Women's Health Melbourne or you can send an email with any future episode requests to podcasts at womenshealthmelbourne.com.au. See you next week.